0: Hello friends, how are you? My name is Column, and this is the Sober Mess podcast and you're very welcome. Today I'm joined by my pal Olivia Farley who is a grey area mentor. Olivia is a one-to-one mentor. She has a master's in health psychology and a diploma in alcohol studies. She runs alcohol-free workshops and is also five years into a sober journey so I'm absolutely chuffed and delighted to have her here today the sun is shining and she has informed me it's Lionsgate day which is a special day and she's going to tell us all about it so Olivia how are you
1: I'm great I'm great really good enjoying the sun
0: it's amazing Um, the the sun sun. is out in Dublin it's a rare appearance I seen it coming out this morning and I cooked me porridge on the barbecue
1: stop it did you
0: (laughs) (laughs) quick it was down the middle oil and little getting all the summer gear
1: (laughs) oh great yeah no I don't listen I don't know much about the Lionsgate portal but I'm attending a a, a manifestation workshop tonight they say that there's a lot of things aligned and that today is the best day of the year uh, to write down all that you want in the world so write a letter to yourself dated for this day next year really get into what you want, what you want to get out of your life, how a typical day works and put it somewhere safe, forget all about it. And yeah, see how it goes.
0: So it's the 8th of the 8th because it's the 8th of August. Is that it?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. I never heard of that before. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I kind of heard about it last year. I go, listen, I'm this journey has been incredibly spiritual for me. So I, when I gave up alcohol, I decided to surrender to everything. So uh somebody said to me oh i know this spiritual healer in tipperary and you should go down to her and sounds like i did yeah and actually she i went to her last year on the eighth of the eighth But she's been an incredible uh support to me and i've got very kind of witchy okay in the last few years as well so I'm big into like the universe and my life is trying to tell me and how I can be of service and how I can help others. And yeah, it's kind of definitely my purpose in life has kind of emerged in the last few years more so than I'd ever kind of imagined it to.
0: I love that. Yeah, I think I think whatever works, you know, if you've improved your life and it works and stick to it, you know, keep doing what you're doing.
1: Exactly. And when you wake up happy, and go to bed peaceful so that's probably one of the greatest joys that i have having given up alcohol i go to bed in peace Mm. you know i've kind of trained my mind how to kind of park worries and anxieties now i'm not perfect in in any way i'm a deeply flawed human as we all are but it has it has kind of ignited and been a catalyst for great emotional growth you know
0: i love that and look for me pain and peace are the greatest disciplinarians when I'm in pain I know I'm not doing something that's right I ask myself what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing and what am I not doing that I should be doing you know because I I, I can't remember who said the quote I was listening to it recently but it's essentially saying that we we get no one gets away with anything you know we have a spiritual conscience that if you're going out there being dishonest and just wreaking havoc in your life you you won't have peace of mind for it, and and yeah. hence why you like, you need to escape into things to numb that feeling of anxiety and pain. And sometimes pain and anxiety is like a fire alarm; it's a signal, and it's telling us right, what am I doing that's going against my own moral values, like what's what my own beliefs that I'm not that I I'm not practicing. Like, and it's like oh, I'm getting away with this, I'm getting away with that. You get away with absolutely nothing, you know, because yeah. you mightn't, you're not mightn- get caught by another person or by the police or whatever the feck you're getting up to you know your peace of mind won't let you my peace of mind you know I can't like even throw a bit of rubbish on the ground tell something the feck off because my anxiety goes up to the roof you know what I mean yeah, but yeah, when yeah, I yeah. do good I feel good and yeah, that's what absolutely. I mean by pain and peace is the greatest disciplinarian you have and people get bogged down what spirituality do I have to go to mass do I have to go to Africa and build a couple of schools do we have to go to Tibet and meditate in a cave for a a year and come out looking like fucking Russell Brand with a big beard and loads of wisdom no absolutely not it's about your conduct from A to B if you're going from A to B and being a decent person If you're going from A to B and being useful and reliable in all your affairs, you know, that's what it's about. You know, it's just about showing up for life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and just trying to be a good person. And you said it there as well. You know, we're all flawed. Part of the human condition is that we're flawed. What in life is not flawed? You know yeah. what I mean? Look, like if you walk in Ram Dass always says this, you know, if you walk into a forest and you see all these forest, these trees in the forest, some are tall, some are short, some are skinny, some are fat, some are broken branches, some have no leaves. But you wouldn't go in and start judging them go, geez, that, that tree there looks very big or small or odd or weird. But yet we'd walk into a crowd of people and we'd start judging them go, geez, they're very tall, they're very small. There. Do you know what I mean? And we have this yeah. perfectionism about ourselves, ourselves and other people and we can get so Bogged down with that, and rather than just allowing ourselves to be imperfect, and that we're going to make mistakes, and it's part of the learning experience is that we have flawed and we make mistakes, but that's how we grow and become better people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have two young kids, and uh, I do often say to them, like they they're under this illusion that I'm perfect, and I. I'm trying to convince them all the time. I am far from perfect. I know very little. But they probably are teaching me more than I will ever teach them. Mm. You know, I think young kids especially uh, can kind of hold a mirror up to us, you know, to show what we're lacking. And that absolutely happened to me. And they're probably the catalyst that one of the catalysts that made me stop drinking in the first place because of who I was showing up to be around them. And it just wasn't, it wasn't in my view of what I would have been as a mother, you know? And so there, so they, I gave up booze when they were one and three. And so, yeah, just, you know, our little one didn't really sleep very well. And we were kind of at the, in the beginning times, you know, we'd share a bottle of wine on Friday night or whatever. My husband's a very, um, he's not a big drinker so there wasn't much boozing at so home so he's a bit of a
0: weirdo then he's able to have one what drink and walk away what a freak
1: what a unicorn <laughs> he is like it's, and I was kind of he should be in
0: the one. zoo <laughs> exactly
1: we should be paying to see him yeah um Yeah, no, he doesn't. He he just, you know, so whatever alcohol did to me, right, I can kind of reflect back. So I'd have this surge of really good feelings, right? Mm. We all know like that big serotonin or dopamine hit and then it would go down and then I'd need more and more and more and more and more to keep that. I always call myself a really enthusiastic drinker. Like I was and I got accidentally drunk very often. So I'd be like, yes, oh, my God. So in our relationship, you know, I'd be like, come on, let's have another drink. And he would be like, but Olivia, there's no uh, there's no um, tonic for the gin. And I'd be like, let's drink it with water because I kind of never wanted the party to stop. It was just that very... I just loved it. And I loved all the feelings. But like when the kids were small, we used to have maybe share a bottle of wine on a Friday night. So what's that like? Two glasses each or whatever. So go up to bed at 10 o'clock. She'd be awake at 11. But even just that hour of sleep, I'd wake up. I'd feel like I was having a heart attack. So these so all these really negative Uh, consequences were just dropping themselves in Mm. and then it took it took years for me to finally cop on and say jesus this is not enhancing my life at all so it kind of moved right so it kind of so when i i started drinking in my mid-teens or whatever like every single person i knew part of that kind of ladette culture back in the 90s and all the um uh, alco pops and all that kind of stuff so like i was kind of a self-conscious teenager as every teenager is i was shy i had uh social anxiety it when i drank it made me feel like i was on the inside right so it made me it, it leveled me to everybody else uh or so i thought so yeah drank so there was bouts of kind of heavy drinking and not heavy drinking and I could start and I could stop or whatever but it did the drinking of alcohol taught me a lot and back in the day like when I had a young very functional body it it, it there wasn't that much cost so there was lots of benefits for going out and being a bit wild or whatever, and very little cost. So I was able to get up in the morning. I was able to have a job, you know, I have a degree. I went off and got a master's, all that kind of stuff. But it was probably my late 20s where it started to cost a lot in terms of like my mental health and uh, my anxiety was really crippling. The thing, the the irony of it, the thing that I was drinking to actually abate was actually causing it. you know, and like I drank a lot, not just for kind of to stop the feelings of uh, anxiety, but to start the feelings of connection. Because me and my, I had a few different group friend groups or whatever, but we would always feel really close after a night out or whatever. You know, in the post mortem the next day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but so kind of late twenties, early thirties, there was thousands of little clues every time I drank that. It just wasn't it wasn't for me. It was doing very little for me. I couldn't hear it, though. So I was getting all these messages and, you know, uh, getting like I was really sick with alcohol, I mean, like vomiting constantly. The nausea was really, really bad. I couldn't eat for days. And then when my appetite would come back, I'd go absolutely nuts eating. And so there was very little balance. So I I now know I'm a really, really highly sensitive person and that I'm highly sensitive to everything. So um, my body is sensitive to alcohol. My moods are sensitive. I'm sensitive to atmospheres, environments. um, I have a high sense of intuition as well. So like I just, you know when you hindsight is great, when you look back, you kind of go, God, I could have easily given up 10 years before, but I didn't. So I eventually gave up when I was 37.
0: And did you you feel that you were kind of using alcohol to like numb down that sensitivity that you had?
1: Yeah. And uh, do you know what? So now you said in the intro that I run workshops and I do. And I'd say nine times out of ten the participants who come on are highly sensitive people. So they would have drank to numb down the feelings of just being highly sensitive or whatever or really shy, you know, and that definitely was me. And then uh, I ran a workshop at the weekend and we literally we were like We were like twins or like we all had the same kind of feelings. So alcohol would have given us the same kind of feelings. And then we live in a culture where it's so glamorized. And so there's kind of only one side of the story presented. So alcohol Mm. like drinking is glamorous drinking is uh, really good or whatever. And then on the other, you never hear the other story. Like you never see people with their head down the toilet for 12 hours or you never see the crippling anxiety or, you know. So uh, a lot of people who, uh, I think, well, obviously people come to me who want to find out more about grey area drinking. They want to kind of untangle. They want to give it up. So they, like, they do feel similar to... They, they have a similar experience to what I had, you know?
0: Yeah, isn't that fascinating though? That it's, I don't know, if it's part of the insanity of, of alcoholism or, or heavy drinking or however you want to label it. That we think if we can convince our peers, our friends, our family that everything is okay, that we have our things together, we have our jobs together, our relationships, we're paying the bills, we're showing up, the kids are going to school on time, etc. And if we can do all that, if we can function. Then we're not, we're doing all right if we can just convince the world I look okay on the outside, but we could be absolutely broken on the inside. But we keep going because, oh, well, I can put on this act, I'm up on stage, and and I'm convincing all these people I have my, my shit together. And really, we don't, like, you know, but it's that nope. sanity that we can justify and rationalize and keep going with it until the, the wheels come off, like.
1: But that's nearly like being an adult, isn't Mm, it? We we dumb down so many things like there's very what with the the untruths we tell ourselves all the time. We kind of don't live in a real world for a lot of the time as well. And I definitely at at the end stage of it, I felt ravaged by alcohol. Mm. Now, I was probably only drinking a few times a year at that stage. So but I was drinking in the pattern that I had always drank in. I didn't feel like I was addicted to alcohol. I didn't feel like I was powerless over it. But I drank because in the situations that I always drank in, so like weddings and funerals and confirmations and communions and christenings and all that kind of stuff. But every time I drank, I felt like a big ball of shite. It just Mm. did absolutely nothing for me. So like at some stage, I had to realize this, I can't go on. And I just couldn't. So it just stopped, you know, and then I just got to a place where I stopped. I did a lot of work. I did a lot of it on my own. So like I'm kind of the self-help queen Um So like I started helping myself through books when I was 17 around social anxiety or whatever. And I've kind of worked a lot through books and stuff and kind of identified my own patterns. Now I go to a therapist every couple of weeks and do a lot of meditation and journaling and kind of get all my feelings out. Mm. But back then I kind of was like, right, what are we going to do? So Quitlet was really good. I read a lot about other women's experiences of drinking.
0: uh, What's Quitlet?
1: So it's basically just, uh, it's, you know, like chick lit is like literature that's, uh, uh, targeting women. So like, um, Marion Keys I hope that's doesn't it's not disrespectful to Marion to call it that but um, yeah so Quitlet is basically a genre of books that's dedicated to people telling their story about how they overcome their struggle with alcohol so okay. things like The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober that's a really uh, popular one and um, Bryony Gordon has a couple okay. of uh, books uh, Glorious Rock Bottom about her and wow. um, yeah. So that, like all of, just really hearing
0: women's stories and, and being able to identify. And yeah, it's exactly. fascinating because yeah. it's funny because I'm a 12 step guy. and okay. I, when I thought like that when I hit rock bottom and when I went to like a, tw- a 12 step community meeting, uh, an AA meeting, I went to this meeting and I heard other people describing exactly what I was going through. And I don't know why it had such a an healing and a massive impact on me straight away. Just having that. You know, being able to identify and connect with other people and other people that got me and understood me and went through similar experiences than me and I was just there like a meerkat nodding going yeah 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 that's me that's me and getting because I got this sense of people because I remember going to doctors and being like oh, yeah, I am I'm waking up and I'm, I'm just feeling depressed I'm feeling off and the doctor's like oh why don't you just try having one drink or just try moderating or just only have one at, at Christmas and one glass of wine and didn't understand that when I had one I wanted a million like you know what I mean Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it was only yeah. when I kind of started to, to identify with other people who, who were similar Drink, had a similar kind of mind, you talked about the sensitivity, as soon as you said that, I could identify with you. And then you're talking about reading these books and being able to identify with people that had a similar experience. And there's something, I don't know why, but it's like when you hear the people that have been through what you've been or gone through what you're going through and they've healed and recovered, it gives you this great sense of hope and be like, well, yeah. they being through that, there's, there's hope for me, like I'm not alone, yeah. you know. yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I suppose when Brene Brain always says that we are biologically hardwired for connection. Mm. So we are and you know that and you know, that we are all connected. We don't know it, but we are like I am you, you are me, we are each other. You know, we have this kind of universal um connectedness that we don't know about. But um yeah, so like when you connect with others and you feel like they're telling you th- their story, you can really kind of see a way out of the hole that you're in. Yeah. Like I was, like a, a massive amount of my personality grown around drinking. Uh, had like as in with a friend group who were always out. Like it was always out. It was always pub drinking. So it was always okay. Friday, Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, that kind of thing. Like, let's go out as if a big friend group. Let's have nights out. Let's go to nightclubs. All that kind of stuff. Like, it was never kind of, you know, drinking vodka in the morning, or th- it didn't look like that. But that kind of togetherness—that's what I really, really loved and 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 craved more than anything. Now, then, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's um, it was so,
0: yeah, it was kind of just swapping your. Connections, because that—that is the thing. Like, I think that's one of the hardest reasons people struggle to let go of alcoholism, because we associate it with this social and healthy and you talked about earlier on but the glamorous of sitting in Lilyberg Dellows and sipping on a peach daiquiri and it's lovely and it's, you know, of all these friends and I need, a, I need, a what if I give her up then the only outlet I have is going out with my friends to the bar, the pub and having a wine and, you know, I need to get out of the house and get away from the kids every now and again and I can't let go of that. That's my only sense of, having the crack every week you know and we can kind of glamorise and put these like rose tinted glasses on it just but instead it's like not giving me any of them things it's not making me happy it's not giving me a sense of connection it's just it's just making me it's giving me as you said a quick high and a quick low quick hit gratification and then I feel really low and then it's like I'm only living for Friday and Saturday but every other day in the week is just really dark and awful and I don't want to exist but I'll, I'll exist until Friday and then I'm happy and I'm myself and it's a mad way of looking at it. It's like I'm throwing away, mm-hmm. there's like seven days in the week, but yeah, we're, we're only really allowing ourselves to feel good on two days of the week, but we're not actually feeling good. It's like this artificial sense of happiness, but it's it's actually making us even more depressed and worse, like, you know? Yeah. And then it was like, like it, when, I, when I started giving up the drink then and my life got better, like every day was a Friday and a Saturday. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every day, as you said, waking up with a smile on your face, feeling good, peace of mind going to bed and with a smile on your face going well, well I had a great day you know what I mean no regrets no oh, I shouldn't have said that I shouldn't have done this what did I do last night and not waking up and not wanting to get out of bed and not wanting to live your life and not wanting to you know do the things that you love to do and having peace of mind and that's the for me that's like the gift of sobriety yeah
1: absolutely that pe- that kind of contentness yeah. And I know content kind of feels like a boring word or whatever. But you don't, I just say, listen, I won't have those outrageously high highs that I thought I had, you know, on my night nights out or whatever. But I won't have the crushingly low lows. Yeah. Like that's, my life is kind of completely devoid of them now. And the biggest thing that got me or kept me on the road was, so I'd wake up, so I blacked out an awful lot and... um yeah, so, like, I would, like, not remember chunks of the night and, uh, you know, sometimes I didn't remember getting home or whatever and, like, when I'd wake up the next morning and there would be black in my memory, I that's when I'd kind of insert really catastrophic thoughts into what I'd done. You know, did I say this and did I do that? And that was just so exhausting. And I think the beginning, when I'd go out for a night out or whatever and I'd drive and I'd get, uh, put, get into bed and you kind of analyze the night and you are you're able to pick on up on nuances on the night you look around with kind of fresh eyes or whatever and then the next morning when you wake up and there's absolutely no regret there so you wake up and like there's there's no black spots you remember everything you remember how you came home you remember exactly what you said like you stayed the exact amount of time that you needed to and you made your exit so like that was the most addictive part of uh, how I felt at the at the very beginning. And I think that's the thing that probably kept me going um, the most. And then all these other little things, you know. And it did. It took like it took. I'm five years over five years now, but wow. like so it was 2018, and then so it was two years. And I kind of pretend drank for a lot at that time for the first couple of years, and then we had the pandemic. And I know huge, so many people's. Um, alcohol use changed during the pandemic because there was that kind of free-for-all attitude or whatever. And I know my husband would have said to me, like, if you were boozing during the pandemic, we would have been drinking every night of the week. Um, so then when I kind of emerged out of that, I had really uh, gained so much confidence. And I'm now at the stage where alcohol is completely insignificant in my life. Like, I never think about, like I, I talk that. about the ad nauseam, you know. Yeah. But, uh, But it just it's not like I would ne- it would never occur to me you now to order a drink
0: yeah I love just that it's my life so much better isn't it mad it's like I when I gave it up first it was like all I could think about you know I we you know, beer, I was just trying to avoid drink, and then I did realize drink is everywhere when you're trying to avoid it. You know, I couldn't yeah. walk down that aisle in in little, or I cut the drinking oil, or walking past beer gardens, or you're trying to watch the football in the Champions League, and it's sponsored by Carlsberg, and you know, everywhere you look, there's you open up the fridge, and someone has a sneaky bottle of wine in there. You're like, ah, you know, and it's like it's everywhere. And then as, as time went past, as I stayed sober, it's like I just forgot to think about it. I forgot yeah. to obsess about. And, and then I was like, geez, I oh, actually yes, haven't thought about drinking in a while. You know, yeah. and like that, it just becomes insic- insignificant in your life. You know, it's this yeah. sense of, you know, oh, it's like I was like, I'm just, I'm lactose intolerant. I don't drink milk or, you know, I don't eat gluten or, you know, whatever your thing is that you're trying to avoid in your life that you don't add into your diet, similar with alcohol. that It's not, it doesn't hold, it doesn't hold, a, it's not a dictator in your life. It doesn't like, Make you, I can't go left because alcohol might be down there. You know, I don't live like that. I don't avoid anything because of alcohol. No, I can yeah. walk. I can walk where anyone else can walk. I can walk where normal drinkers are aka unicorns like your husband as you said <laughs> can go and drink and you know i don't i don't i can go into a pub much football game and not want to drink you know i can go, I can go like traveling i can do what i can go to football games abroad i can do all i can go through dublin airport and the guilt to drink just isn't there anymore not one part no. and i haven't thought of a drink in a long long time and i'm grateful for that but that comes from doing the work every day You know what I mean? That comes because my life is satisfied with other things today. You know, I meditate, you know, I write down what my stuff I'm grateful for. I I try and help other people, you know, I connect with nature, I look after my health, you know, I try and sleep well, I try and drink loads of water, eat well, you know, I try and listen to my body, you know. I I dip in and out of therapy regularly every year, you know, and I do all these things to maintain that, 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 you know that headspace where I don't want to drink, and it's not like yeah. you get there and you stop doing the work and it comes back. It's like it's like diabetes. You know, as soon as you stop taking your insulin, it, it, the disease starts to manifest again. You know, and I know for me, when I stop doing the work, I start to get agitated. I start to get discontented. The anxiety starts to come back. The irritability starts to come back. I'm just not arsed, you know, I just don't like life anymore, everything's annoying me and that's the little indicators, that's like when you're on the M50 and you're taking a little turn and you're starting to hit the little cat's eyes, the bumps and do-do-do-do-do, that's, that's the glorious way of saying, right, you're getting close to the ditch here, pal, you know, adhere to these signals, the anxiety, the pain, the feeling off, that's the universe's way of saying you need to kind of get back on track, you need to get back on the path, you know, and that's what it is, it's just about using them little signals to get back on pad, like you know, and say, yeah. do we need to get back into doing service? Do we, are we helping enough people, you know, when we getting distracted by worldly clamour, by materialism, buying stuff or getting the promotion or seeking validation or approval of people, you know, are these things becoming my new higher power? You know, and that's my thing. I'm a very spiritual person and my problem was never Finding our God, you know, it was finding their God because I had all these other gods for a while. You know. it was, it was like money or it was promotion or it was cars or you know it was getting medals in Ironman or Jiu Jitsu or it was relationships or it was people or it was approval or it was even that spiritual thing where you go get all these degrees and read all these books and uh, I know all about Gabor Mate and I know all about Edgar Toll and I've done all these diplomas in addiction and psychology and meditation and mindfulness and you know it was like it was just all, all me trying to get to the, all these different mountaintops and then I'd feel enough. And it was all getting powered by this low self-esteem and this feeling of inadequacy. But when I get to academia or when I get the medal, then I'll be enough, you know, and just this constant pursuit. And all these things just led me to feeling even worse and lower and lower and lower until I actually got a, a divine connection with a genuine higher, you know what I mean? And when I try and maintain that relationship every day with my higher power, I feel good in myself. I feel satisfied. I feel enough today, you know. And, and someone that's an alcoholic or an addict that does, that feels enough is the, the, the life beyond my wildest of dreams. Because I never felt enough. I always felt less than. I always felt like I was lacking something. But if I took this substance or if I took this drink or if I got that thing over there, then I'd feel enough, you know. Whereas now I just, I'm, I feel enough. Just with the simple things, you know, the, like I said, yeah. doing that daily maintenance every day, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just you say there, I uh, never feeling enough. That was probably a huge part of me, too. And, and I, I don't think it's it, it has much to do with, let's say, my upbringing or the environment. It's it's kind of just a product of being in the world, isn't it? Like mm. the, the majority of people don't feel like they're enough because we're bombarded with so much of what enough feels like you know yeah. what i mean so we live in a, a highly capitalist society where you know the we kind of you were saying there we worship the god of money or whatever and none of us feel enough because we don't like we're always th- striving for more aren't we mm. and then you know i When I drank and the anxiety that ensued afterwards, I had this really massive fear of dying, right? Really, really massive. And how I dealt with it again, being the self-help queen, I started reading a lot of books on near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading one at the minute, and I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. But anyway, it details over 200 uh, near-death experiences. And I cannot tell you how incredible it is to read people's view of what happens when they pass over literally the only thing that is coming back to me that the only thing that is important in life is love yeah 100%. so for you to love yourself and to love each other and anything outside of that is just that.
0: yeah as yeah. far as far as men once said all you need is love
1: all oh, you yeah, need is love it's one of my favourite songs
0: one of my favourite bands <laughs> yeah. and but it is mad like all, like even the algorithms on Instagram and Facebook are you know they're, they're kind of designed to make you feel like you're not enough or you're lacking something yeah. like you know and yeah. it's like you, you're you having a great day and you go online and you see like, oh, someone's away on a lovely holiday or someone's had something I don't have or they have, they're better looking than me or they have this or they have that and straight away we're comparing them and we feel like a lack you know and we're like oh now I only feel like I'm 80% but if I get A, B or C like you know or even you could dress in your best and you see someone has a nicer jacket in you you know and it's just it's madness but again it's Theodore Rosenfeld's lovely quote you know comparison is a thief of joy and I, don't, I, don't, I get I get that you know what I mean I get that when I can compare and I feel low and I have to catch myself doing it but the only place that I get where I feel i enough is nature You know, when I'm out in nature, I always get this sense of I'm enough. When I get into the sea, there's no comparison. There's no I'm big, I'm small, I'm tall, I'm skinny, whatever. There's none of that. I'm just, I feel part of when I'm up hiking on the hills, I just feel the sense of welcome, the sense of, the sense of, you know, neutrality and, 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 and feeling okay in nature. You know, and yeah. it, it's it's like it's a wonderful feeling, like you know, and that's why I love. I need to connect in with nature all the time, you know, because when I'm around humans or around just it, it's society, societal things, shopping centers or town or walking, you know, I'm just always this perfectionism is building in me, and it's telling me I'm not enough, and I need to get A, B, or C to feel enough, you know, and if I get that, then I'll be enough. And you fall into that uh, that that materialistic hamster wheel, you know, where you're Chasing the capitalism, and look, that's just, it's society, you know, and it's not society's fault, or sorry, it's not like capitalism's fault, like you know. But as you said, that because I have that sensitivity gene, I I feel extra sensitive and extra, you yeah. know what I mean? I feel like I'm like a normal human, just more so, you know what I mean? So, like that, yeah, if, yeah. I'm doing that from connecting with nature on a regular basis, if I'm meditating, if I'm doing all this stuff, you know, it helps with the, the sensitivity that I have, you know.
1: Yeah. And the little thing, they're now the little things that bring me so much joy. Like the reading of a book, like you know i said earlier i feel really peaceful when i go to bed at night but nine times out of ten what then my last thought before i go to sleep is like i can't wait to get up and drink coffee yeah. Do you know like they're the tiny Same. things that now and like that's what happens you get joy in the ordinary you start it's like waking up out of a dream isn't it's it gray.
0: it's great
1: yeah yeah it really is i kind of tended to go back well so i was 37 giving it up and i'd say i was 17 when I really started drinking, and I kind of felt that I went back to her, so that Olivia of that era, that kind of wide eyed innocence that I had, and you know even though I was socially anxious and I was shy, and I still had a great sense of myself back then, mm, yeah. and I tried to kind of revisit how I felt when I was her, you know, just beginning a life, and I moved away from home and I went up the north um to college or whatever, so like. Yeah, it was it was nice to kind of revisit that different part and, you know, revisiting all the younger parts of yourself as, as well and kind of figuring out how did I arrive at this pl- point? And, you know, I think, you, well, I kind of think you have to go back to go forward and you have to get. And I've done a lot of stuff that would have caused me shame and stuff. So I held shame really, really intensely. And then I worked, I was saying, I worked with a, a lady, Eileen Heenahan, down in Tipperary. And um, she, uh, we worked really hard on getting a lot of that shame out of my body. And then, like you said, just one day I woke up and I was like, oh, my God, I don't feel shame anymore. No, I, the shame has gone. It has been kind of released from my body and, you know, not, and like it's it's so lovely knowing that I'm in full control of everything that I say. So like I can have a conversation. I know I'm not gonna insult you. I'm not gonna say something I don't mean. Do you know? So there's there's a real I love that sense of control because a lot of the time I didn't have it. You know, you're liable to say anything when you're drinking. And I often said things that I didn't even think. Do you yeah. know? Like wild stuff, Do you know.
0: So the the like when you went down and you were doing this in Tipperary, did you feel like you had like a spiritual experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's all been a deeply spiritual experience. Like it's all brought, like I have a completely different outlook to what I would have. Like I would think about my life and probably my legacy, I'd say, every other day. Like, I would think about dying every not to be morbid or anything, like, but to I would think about, well, what am I doing in terms of like living my purpose and being a good person and being as kind and nice? And you know, this journey kind of coincided a lot with like emotional regulation work. So, am I pausing? Am I rea- Am I responding and not reacting, especially to my kids? You know, so. Like coming home from work and I work full time and my husband works full time and it's listen, I have found motherhood really, really hard. And um, I'm not nearly as good at it as I thought I would be, but then I didn't have a huge realistic view of what I thought I would be, you know. Um but just coming home to them and maybe being stressed at work and you know, coming home in traffic and I've this kind of obsession about being on time as well. So like trying to deal with that and everything else. I had to do i really had to sit down and look at myself and say right how do i respond to things or do i react and you know a lot of this thing like if i'd you know having kids really teaches it very very fast what kids can tolerate right so like if i ever shouted at them they would literally cry for an hour and i would have to um i would have to clean up their emotional State for a full hour because of what my voice had done to them. Now they're highly sensitive kids as well. But so then I had to learn very quickly that I couldn't shout at them. So, like, if we had to discuss something, we had to discuss something in a really nice, calm manner because my, they were highly sensitive to raised voices and stuff as well. So, you know, I was saying kind of earlier, they have taught me more than I could ever teach them. And they have definitely felt like mirrors to who I am and like, I'm, I'm quite feisty as well. And I'd be quite fiery and I'd, you know, kind of go from 0 to 10 kind of quickly. So then I had to work a lot on that and kind of take deep breaths or whatever. And then when they actually hear me taking a deep breath, they'd be like, oh, my God, are you OK? You know, so, yeah, it's been a it's been doing a lot of that work just to become the best version of yourself. Yeah. It's not all we can do.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And it takes time, you know, it does. It takes yeah. time and. You know, I remember someone saying to me, like, the good news about getting sober is you get your emotions back and the bad yeah. news is about getting sober is you get your emotions back, you know, yeah. and, and that was the thing, like, you, you know, I remember that getting angry over fucking, you know, missing the bus and my life was over and I can't believe it. and out there, you know, Dublin busted up, you know, and then you'd get, you'd, you'd start crying watching the fucking X Factor or something, you know, would be like yeah, one yeah, yeah. extreme to the other and, you know, and, yeah. and slowly, slowly, slowly you start to balance out. But like, like that, you know, it does, it, it takes time and it takes touching the stove a couple of times and it takes a couple of, Jesus, I, won't, I shouldn't open my mouth there, I shouldn't have said that, or, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have fucking lost the plot. And it takes a lot of apologies and a lot of kind of, you know, just, you know, going down a few cul-de-sacs in life to say, right, no, I'm going to try to do that a bit better, like, you know, and 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 that's what it was like for me because I, I just like... You know, I had a lot of wise people in my life who always used to say, you know, refrain from tongue and pen, you know, never miss an opportunity to keep an opinion to yourself, like, you know, and all the, if, you're, if you feel agitated, pause when agitated or go and you feel like, you know, losing the head or, you know, speaking your mind, you know, and... And little things like that and then and then slowly slowly I learned that, you know, that I'm allergic to anger the same way I'm allergic to alcohol, you know, I'm too sensitive to get angry and there's a massive part of me that loves to get angry. I've this little man in my head that I'll give them a piece of my mind, or I'll tell my boss how they ought to be doing the running the business or I'll do this, or I'll you man in the traffic jam is not going fast enough or that guy in Tesco isn't in the spending or you know paying for a shopping nope. quick enough like how dare yeah, he yeah. hold me down does he not know who I am you know and this little man that lives in me head you know and we all have it you know we all have the good angel bad angel like you know but I know when I let him make the decisions and I lose the rag I my peace of mind is gone it's probably gone for the whole day and I'm feeling oh why did I say that or I'm feeling oh I should have said this or if he said that or did you know and I, I, you know it's like I think it's in that book, Art of War, you know, if you're digging your enemy a grave, dig dig two, you know, and what they're talking about was that w- one for you and one for him, because you're just gonna lose your own peace of mind as well, you know, yeah. a lot of the time, getting angry at someone or getting a- resentful at someone is like you drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies, like, and that's what it is, it's just, and I found that, and over, you know, all, you know, all these courses I've done around Buddhism, Hinduism, and, you know, peace and love, it was all about having compassion, you know, and all about forgiveness and, you know, if you're forgiving you're the other person, you're letting yourself off the hook, you know what I mean? So, and then it's like, yeah, but what if they've done something on me and they've hurt my feelings and I was just, i done nothing wrong, I was just minding my own business and they had a go with me. You know, but it's like, yeah, but if you forgive them, then you're off the hook because you're not thinking about this thing. They're paying free rent in your head right now, you know, but if you can kind of let them, just forgive and let them go and know that hurt people hurt people, and like, what does that mean, hurt people, hurt people? Well, it means that, like, you know, they could have their own stuff going on. That guy could have had an argument with his wife today or, you know, he could be rolling around and worry about money or death or he's carrying something from the past or something else has happened to him and you've just happened to be the one he's projected it on. You know, he's carrying like... You know, like so. I, thought, oh, I think it's an old nurse nursery poem or a story about the the friendly lion that has a thorn in his paw and he's barking and shouting and biting all your animals and he can't understand what's up with him, you know. And then they pull out the the thorn and then he's friendly again. And you know that thorn is like an analogy for like for for stress or for trauma or for us not dealing with our stuff or whatever it is. And sometimes that's another reflection of me, like I was saying when I feel that my sobriety is starting to go down the, the swanee or go down the sink is usually because I'm not doing something that I should and one of the first signals is that I'm starting to get real irritable and my tolerance is off and people are starting to irritate me and you know that these are the things that I know right I'm going off my beam we have a meditated today I have a journal today I have a wrote a gratitude list I have I connected to my higher power today you know because when I'm not doing that stuff that's when I'm feeling angry that's when I'm feeling agitated so that's what it means with hoard people, hoard people. So that, that helps me a lot when like just dealing with other people. And I think uh, it's that book as well, uh, how to how to win friends and influence people. It's always just be super friendly and I go A to B without disturbing anyone, without stepping on any toes and just be like the fly in the wall and not to get in the ring with anyone and I, I've because I try and live by that philosophy or those principles, I have great peace of mind in my life, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah. It's about constantly just refining yourself to become the best version of yourself. Mm. And as well, it's really important to have self awareness because, you know, it's the, we said that earlier, it's stories we tell ourselves, you know? So, like, well, how, and being, you know, a sensitive person, sensitive energy like i can often see how something that i say affects people or how my mood affects people or what i bring into a room or what energies i bring in or whatever so like it's just really important to kind of constantly have that light shining back in yourself and just the, the ability to want to do better all the time isn't it
0: yeah 100 like what like when, when you went from like drinking on that sensitivity what did you find helped with the sensitivity when you got sober
1: um what would have helped? So I I read a lot. Uh so and that uh meditation as well. I do a lot of journaling, so getting kind of all my feelings on a page or whatever. Um, exercise too. So exercise is a massive release for me. Um listen, I'm not I'm not winning the war on sensitivity either at the minute. We just came back from a two week holiday and uh so um I get really bad travel anxiety. So my personality changes when we go. And that's kind of highlighted now another thing that I need to work on. But um, I suppose it's the first holiday we really went on since COVID and since I had given up alcohol. And obviously I used to uh, kind of push down that travel anxiety with um, alcohol. So it was very, very uh it was very very clear to see that anxiety this year you know so i'm definitely going to work on that so just anxiety about cat we did a lot of so we caught a couple of different uh planes and then we had to get uh buses from here and there and we had the two kids and our little boy had broken his hip earlier oh in the year and like so there was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. there you know so like i'm and how i'm my husband notices is, is, is I become really, really quiet. So I don't I'm not like myself at all. So, yeah, that's another thing to kind of work on, but just to constantly be refining it. But like sensitivity, to be honest with you, I don't think I really realized how sensitive I was until I actually gave up alcohol. So this kind of uh, it kind of veiled a lot of things. Like now when I look back, I could never do two or three nights in a row. Like I'd be crying in the shower when people would be saying, you need to come out on another night out. Or I could never drink past a certain time. Like I could never drink past 3 a.m. really when people were up till five and six. And, you know, that kind of thing. So I only only when I came off it did I realize that I was so sensitive. But listen, I go to bed really early. I get loads of sleep like yourself. I try and drink water I try and eat well I uh, take a lot of probiotics and fermented foods and stuff like that for my gut so I kind of healed my gut um at the beginning of that as well I did consistent exercise so I felt really really good with that and um, so yeah there's a couple of things that I have to do for myself I always need space and time to kind of do my reading or meditator, that kind of thing. So I kind of know what keeps, like you said, I know what keeps me on the straight and narrow, what keeps me kind of sane.
0: I love that. Yeah, and that's what it is. Like a lot of thing, early sobriety is about. It's a lot of ex, um, experimenting in terms of our own behavior and what works for us and what doesn't and what gives us peace of mind. It's like an elimination process with your diet. Like if you're eating certain foods and they kind of trigger your stomach or make you, don't, make you feel off, you'll, you'll start to avoid them thinking about your life. And it's similar with um, you know, with my peace of mind, you know, like I don't watch the news. I'm trying like, you know, limit negative environments. Um, I try and limit kind of certain energies around me, you know, I try and keep listening to positive podcasts. I try and learn something new every day, you know, I try and meditate regularly, I try eco foods. Field, I stay away from like, you know, certain foods. And you know, I try not to eat sugar and I'll try and get eight hours sleep and drink enough water and eat enough protein and, and, and take like take my fish oils and my multivitamin and you know when I'm thinking about this like a couple of years ago you know like Saturday nights be a lot different whereas now Saturday nights it's like oh shit I forgot to take my multivitamin you know it's <laughs> nine o'clock yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still a rock star I like to think so anyway <laughs> but uh, you know and it, it is but I, I, again it's back to the diabetes analogy you know it's like if we stop doing that bit of stuff that's seems like so mediocre it, it like has a massive impact on, on my, my peace of mind you know so it's doing all these little tiny things that turn into into big things but you, you're a gray area a uh, mentor a gray area drinking mentor what is a gray area drinker so a gray area drinker
1: so if we look at kind of the spectrum of drinking so if we look at on the one hand there's like the unicorn like my husband or that kind of occasional drinking and then at the end of that spectrum you have the person who is at the end stage of an alcohol use disorder so somebody who probably needs to be medicated to get off alcohol they it's a it's the term was divided by devised by a lady in america called jolene and she said that a lot of people reside in the gray area between the the two ends of those spectrums so gray area drinkers typically their drinking doesn't look problematic to others they don't feel addicted to alcohol and they're functioning really really well and they but they black out regularly and when they have uh, they can easily refrain from drinking but when they do have one drink that one equals 10 or whatever that they they find it hard to stop and they really worry silently so there's a lot of worry and fret and regret internally maybe not they don't say it out loud a whole pile, but they do kind of worry about it a lot themselves and it's hard to stay stopped when they do stop because of maybe all the patterns and all the friendships they've kind of um uh built around their alcohol use and um Uh, they uh, have a lot of anxiety and shame spirals and that kind of thing. So, yeah, they make rules around their drinking as well, too. So, like, if they go out, they'll say, oh, I'm only having three drinks tonight, but they can never really stick to those rules. So, like, when I gave up alcohol, I kind of, I didn't know what I was, right? So, I had kind of, I was looking, I never felt, um, I didn't feel, bad enough to go to aa does that make sense so i didn't feel that like i was let's say rock bottom or that i it really really had a hold on me so but i i didn't know what to call myself so then i had heard a podcast with uh jolene park on it saying about gray area drinking and i was like that's exactly sounds exactly like me so you know that people i think um Disguise a lot of their drinking because they don't feel like an alcoholic, but their drinking could be really problematic as well. You know, so they could could be pro- causing major problems in their lives, um, like internally or with their self esteem or with their mental health or whatever. But, um, they they don't think that they like they're like, well, I'm not drinking vodka in the morning or I'm not hiding naggins of vodka in the cistern in the toilet or I'm not doing anything like that. So, uh, they kind of move away from the fact that they have a problem well, when they, they are drinking at a problematic level. And I, listen, I don't say I'm an anti-drinker because I'm not, but I was a problem drinker, as in alcohol caused a lot of problems in my life. It really, really did. The majority of those were internal, but like I wasn't at rock bottom. I never crashed the car. I didn't lose a job. I have a really functional life, but alcohol made me feel like absolute shit more times than it didn't and like it. there was times in my life when it it didn't feel like that there was times in my life where it felt like I had a great time when I was out drinking but towards the end of it there was I wish I'd kind of known don't we all like wish that we know more than we did more then than we do uh, than we did but looking back on it I kind of wish that I had enough skills to like see you know, my probably would have been nice to give up maybe around 27, 26, 27, when all the kind of negative side effects really started to expose themselves, you know?
0: Yeah, no, everyone has, like, everyone has a thought. Like, oh, I got someone who's 21, and I still think I could have came in younger, like, you know? Yeah, And yeah. um yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny, you know, I it was this a share that you, you, like, you label, like, I think, like, a drinker, like, three or four different terms. I think you said a problem drinker, then alcoholic, and then, like, a drink dependency disorder. Did you say that at the
1: start?
0: Oh, alcohol use disorder. The Alcohol use disorder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's bizarre. But, like, yeah, 100%, like, I totally get that. Like, it's just the, the not wanting to stick this label on ourselves because, I like, seeing it as, like, oh, I'm not as bad as that person. And I think that's yeah. awful that we live in a society that, you know, it's nearly, we'd rather stay, like, in this misery from alcohol than do something about it out of fear of, I don't want people to think I have a problem. I don't want the, the neighbours to find out that I, I have a, an alcohol dependency disorder, you know, or whatever it is. It's like the fear of the ne- what the neighbours find out, what we think of ourselves. And I think the worst type of drinker is a, is a functioning drinker in terms of, like, I'm, I'm going to say, like, a functional alcoholic um, because like you go under the radar that there's never enough bombs going off to ever do anything about it yeah. it never gets good enough that you enjoy it bad enough that you that, that the alarm goes off that you need to do something about it and you're just living in this subtle miserable, lonely kind of way of like we were saying about five days of the week, it's like ugh, and then the weekend it's like yeah, Saturday so, so, Friday, Saturday and Sundays was fear and anxiety and Hating herself, full of shame, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, building herself back up again, and Thursday's the anticipation. Friday, then it's Friday. You know, imagine you went to the shop, and I, I, sold you seven eggs. Two of them eggs are good, but the other five are cracked and awful. And and that's what it's like when we're living that kind of existence, where it's like five days a week are awful because I haven't got the alcohol or the drugs or whatever the thing is. But Friday. And, and Saturday is amazing and I feel top of the world and then it's back down a slump again for them other five days and just living like that and never quite going anywhere you know and you know a lot of people That I used to drink with You know I, 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 I'd see them down The old time Down with our local You know Going there for For food and whatever And I'd see I'd Like the lovely lads But it's that thing Where they're just Caught in this time warp So just round about Not going anywhere Where it's just Sitting in the same corner Of the pub Cracking the same jokes Talking out the same stuff You know Watching the same crap On TV You know Talking the same oh, Someday I'll do this Someday I'll do that And just drinking the same drink And the it. And it's just like Times just passed. You know, and for me, the alcohol used to be the thing that used to give me a buzz and make me feel fulfilled and make me feel happy and give me the sense of purpose and meaning in my head. But it wasn't. It was a medicine that was making me sick. Or the reason I can't say it was a medicine because it was and it was giving me this anaesthetic to life, to reality, to the sensitivity that I felt. But when I drank it, just numbed everything out. And then when I got sober, I was lacking the sense of meaning and purpose and fulfillment and joy and happiness. So I went seeking it for more organic and natural places like sea swimming, hiking, traveling, books, creativity, you know, martial arts, sports, uh, marathons, Ironman, you know, all these things that, you know, gave me a sense of fulfillment and happiness and yeah, maybe to, the, to an extreme or, or an obsessive extent. But there was still that, that inclination towards wanting this happiness and, and meaning in my life. But I was no longer filling that with drink and drugs. It was now more organic things. And I think that's what life has taught me. You know, that it's like you imagine you have a sink and, and you can plug the sink with anything, you know, like tissue paper or um, whatever you can find. That, that just won't, it just won't fill the void. It just won't do the job. You know when I tried all these things, and it wasn't for my personal recovery. It wasn't until, like it was number one was connection, and number two was a higher power. You know, and it wasn't until like I had that genuine spiritual connection that I started to feel this sense of oh well, wow, we can stop chasing things now. I can I feel okay in myself. I you know I feel I feel like I feel whole. I feel satisfied. You know, and the connection thing was. Was the 12 step community in my in my experience? It was 12, like I know everyone has their own kind of way of doing it, but my, when I found that 12 step community, I, I could identify and relate to other people that had a similar mind to me and th- similar drinking patterns and you know th- that sensitivity, but it also gave me an opportunity to help other people that were at the start of their journey. And that for me was a great relief when you're able to put help other people and be a service, you know, it's just a, a nearly puts out them in the fires within you you know that anxiety that irritability that you feel you feel that when you're just helping other people you know I don't know if it's Jordan Pearson that says it or maybe it's even Carl Jung that said it you know and that that recovery is like we're in this lifeboat and the only um, the only the only uh, condition that you stay in this lifeboat is that you pull the next guy onto the lifeboat that's in the water drowning you know, and that's what recovery for me is like. If I'm if I'm pulling other guys out of the ocean into that lifeboat that are drowning, you know, that's keeping my uh, my ticket valid in the lifeboat. You know what I mean? But when I stop yeah. helping others, you know, that's when things and the lifeboat start to get a bit dodgy, you know, that, that I could fall off at any time, you know. So helping other people as well is a massive part of, of my own recovery, you know. And
1: I And like the validity in sharing our stories, Mm -hmm. even though like that, you know, even though they might have different labels or they still boil down to the same thing. It's like if if you have a if alcohol is causing problems in your life, then you have a problem with it. So if you are not living your best life, if you're not feeling how good you need to feel if you're not i always say that it was like one step forward two steps back so like i'd have all these goals and intentions at the beginning of the week or whatever and then like you said come friday night it be all bottle of wine or then go out in the saturday night or whatever and then recover until wednesday so then all my lovely goals were gone to hell during that time because i just had to do what I could to survive in terms of mentally and physically. And, you know, so like just even giving people um words to kind of, well, if this is happening to you, maybe you need to look at it. You know, yeah. if you're feeling like this, maybe you need to look at it. Because I think a lot of people hide behind the fact that they're not an alcoholic Uh to d- to kind of disguise their drinking or to make their drinking feel like it isn't problematic, you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's so true. No, Olivia, I'm just so out of time and it's been absolutely powerful <laughs> talking to you. But I just probably finished. finish, I want to ask you a few quick fire questions, oh, yeah. if that's okay. Um, yeah. What is your definition of happiness today?
1: Um, oh, so feeling at peace with myself. That I can wake up uh, with a sense of peace and that I can hold on to it during the day and that I can go to sleep with that sense of peace at night as well.
0: I love that. It's invaluable. Peace of mind. What's the greatest advice you've ever gotten?
1: Oh, the greatest advice um, I've ever gotten. Um, to be unapologetically myself. So to just um, be exactly who you were born to be and try not to filter out um, the really unique parts of your personality. So to be brave enough to kind of express who you are
0: What's the worst advice you've ever gotten?
1: What's the worst? Uh, You don't have a problem with alcohol, Olivia. You just go crack.
0: (laughs) You're just a lightweight, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, no, I, Jesus, in my late 20s, I was kind of reaching out to people and going, Jesus, do I have a problem with this? Why do I feel like shite and everyone else feels grand? And they were like, no, no, no. No, you don't have a problem. You are just go crack.
0: I love that. uh, What's something you still struggle with today?
1: oh god i struggle struggle with a million a million things i probably struggle oh i struggle a lot with um yeah that kind of we were talking about it earlier so that sense of being enough so um i probably if i was to be incredibly honest do i feel enough on a daily basis probably not so yeah that's probably something well i don't know if i'll always struggle with it but it. It feels like it's a struggle for most of the time, you know. And you were talking earlier about that comparison piece of social media and stuff. So we're constantly pitted up against people the same age as us or, you know, like nothing that we do can ever really be good enough. But like we live in a a digital age where everybody is sharing so much. It's it's hard to feel good Mm. enough, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's what legacy do you want to leave behind?
1: Um probably that I was a kind person who showed a lot of love and who really went out of her way to help other people.
0: If you could go back and give your teenage self and your advice, what would it be?
1: Oh god, when I'd put this head back on, on her. But uh no, just exactly like that. Uh to try try some way to find well even if to kind of just repeat the mantra i am enough and that you are enough
0: that's powerful olivia thank you so much for coming on and having the chats and if anyone wants to find olivia you can do so on instagram a gray area drinker is the tag and can they find you anywhere else olivia uh
1: i'm just i'm just on instagram Instagram. at the minute i'm trying to Okay. Work on other spaces.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tag your uh, I'll tag your Instagram in the in the podcast bio, and people can I can find you there as well. They just follow the link.
1: Thanks a million, All right.
0: Olivia. Thank you so much. have very a wonderful day. Enjoy that good. last bit of sun well, can. It's the last of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh.